G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast and YouTube channel. I'm back here with a round 11 AFL fantasy wrap up and I'll be honest, uh, the buy rounds are here and I don't know if everyone is ready. We thought that we would have a uh, well structured plan heading into the buys. I think I'm in reasonable condition but yeah, the lacklustre form from some premium players and a couple of injury woes have a couple of coaches panicking. So, for those who aren't aware, for the next three rounds, your best 18 scores on your field will count. So, if you have a player on your bench and you have, say, for example, six defenders playing in your defence and a seventh on your bench, that score won't count. So, it's your best on field. If you only have 17 and you've got an emergency that will come onto your field. But yeah, best of 18 rounds start now for three weeks, but we also get an extra trade. So three trades a week heading into the buys. So it'll be very handy for some coaches to try and patch up a couple of holes. There's not a hell of a lot of downgrade targets that you can chase. I talked about all of them in my uh, Dream Team Talk Cash Cows Guide, which you can check out obviously each week. But you know, it's tricky times. I thought that we'd be in a little bit of a more solidified position heading into the buyers, and there's a couple of players who are in the firing line that I didn't think uh, we'd have to address. So without further ado, let me dive into the round 11 fantasy wrap-up. First things first, there were 23 players who gained a new position with a bunch of DPPs announced earlier this week. We saw not a hell of a lot of relevant stuff, some draft blokes that I'll talk about later that uh, tickle my fancy, but yeah, Jack Zebel gaining midfield status from the forwards, that was a bit of a bonus. Noah Bolter gaining ruck status was something we all expected to see, and that could help a little bit, but not great, and similar can be said for a couple of youngsters. Jordan Clark got midfield status, and yeah, there's more draft-relevant type of blokes that I'll talk about a bit later. But yeah, on the surface, out of the 23 blokes, there's probably only those three that really stood out for our classic teams. Speaking of our classic teams, let me dive into how my team went in round 11. And I'll be honest, not great. I thought I was going to be okay. There are a couple of big scores from popular names early, but yeah, it's... Like I've said, in the last couple of weeks, I've really seen that my sides are ahead of the pack. I slipped again in rank, so I'm back out to about 17,000th now, which really stings. But I did have 27 dudes play last week with Willem Drew, the only bloke, with the exception of your two ruck benchmen that didn't play. So hopefully that puts me in good stead uh, heading into the buy round. Starting with my defense, and things were pretty good. It was good to see Jake Lloyd and Rory Laird look like premium defenders. Sicily was good. Brody Smith put up a ton, so I can't complain with that. City Stack, honestly, I think I'll hold him uh, past the buys. I don't think I'll trade him out just yet. He keeps getting it done. Marty Hoare, as I laid out, is a little bit alarming. Hopefully he comes back next week. But I copped Answorth's score for 40-odd, so it wasn't the end of the world. Defense, pretty good. Can't complain, I'll be honest. The midfield, though, is where things start to go pear-shaped. I should have stuck with Andrew Gaff, who, as my skipper, who had another great score. But... I traded in uh, Lockie Whitfield this week for Tom Rockliffe, and I captained Lockie Whitfield on debut following uh, JLo's Rolls-Royce tactic, and things weren't looking good early after a two-point first quarter, and didn't get better from there. He only ended on 74, making matters worse. I had Taranto for 75, Paddy Cripps just looked miserable, Gus Brayshaw was actually alright, but still didn't get triple figures, so there were plenty of dodgy uh, players in my midfield this round. Further rubbing salt into the wounds, my two bench rookies outscored Tommy Atkins, who I gave one last chance on the field, and Walshie only scored a 77, so it wasn't fantastic. Walpole's art, but yeah, the, 
<laughs> the midfield was definitely my weakest line this week, and now that I know Whitfield's out and there's a few other moves that need to be made, I'll uh, definitely look to strengthen that area the most throughout the next three weeks during the buys for sure. The Ruckman, once again, business as usual, 112-110 from the Grundy-Wits combo. Don't really want to spend a little bit more time on this. I will look to upgrade Wits to Gorn when his buy round does come, but until then, just going to keep letting them do their thing. Forward line was pretty good as well. Finally, I saw Jack Siebel uh, playing in the midfield, which was great. Actually, not finally. I've only had him for two weeks, but it was great to see him playing midfield role, which helped him score a ton. Dangerfield was good. Boat was fantastic. Billings... He's on the chopping block, but considering he has the first buy, I think I'll hold on to him for the next couple of weeks and let him play a few games. Maybe after the buys, I'll look to move him on, but I really want to maximise dudes on my field for the next few weeks. Grian Myers, I think it's pretty much time for him to go. And on the bench, you know, there wasn't a lot to talk about from Corbett and uh, an absent Drew. So 20-60 was the end score. Not happy with it, but hopefully I'm positioned well to uh, make a big jump in the buys. I've been saying it for about a month now, so time to see if my team's uh, going to deliver. Fry's favourite five this week starts with none other than Stephen Canelio, who monstered his way to the highest score that we've seen from any single player this season. 192 he had. It was a shame that some of the other Giants couldn't get in on the uh, feasting frenzy against the Suns, but... Yeah, Cornelio definitely shrugged off the nagging little injury concerns he had and put up, like I said, the best score we've seen this year. So at just a tick over 700 grand, he'll be a very popular trade-in target this week. Secondly, the plus four goes to Josh Kelly, who just keeps getting better every game he plays. 140 was a season high for Kelly and someone that I've been very keen on getting into my side uh, ever since he strung a few games together, but haven't been able to do so yet. He'll probably be... Uh, someone that will come in for a lot of Whitfield owners. I don't think I'll pull the trigger just yet, but yeah, in a perfect world, Josh Kelly will be in my team as soon as possible. The plus three goes to arguably the form player in the competition right now, and that is none other than Basher Hooley. Had his second straight score over 130, and his fourth straight score over 110. Copped a little knock early on, and there was definitely some nervous moments there for owners, but yeah, Basher is in absolutely stunning form. I think his durability is still going to be a talking point, but he's over 700 grand now, so you pay up for him if you want him, but he definitely looks like a top six backman and is uh, someone that's making me eat my own words when I uh, talked about not trading him in, that's for sure. This week's plus two is going to the premium defender, and he looked like a premium defender again, thank God, in Jake Lloyd. His highest score since around five came against the Cats on the weekend, and it was good to see because there were some nervous times there where Lloydie wasn't really lighting the world on fire and we were a little bit worried about if we had to even consider a trade out or what his performances were going to look like, but back to normal, 129. Thanks for coming, Jake Lloyd. Finally, the plus one this round goes to one of my favourite players of all time in Scott Pendlebury. Do Pendlebury, as we like to call him in fantasy, because... This man just keeps getting it done. He is a picture of consistency in the AFL fantasy world. He's averaged triple figures for about 10 straight years, had a massive 130 against the Dockers. Not in a hell of a lot of teams, but you know you get, you get know what you're getting when you pay up for Scott Pendlebury. An average between 100 and 110, and it looks like, once again, he's set to do that in 2019. The frustrating five. Now, this week... Alarm bells are ringing for Patrick Cripps, and he cops the negative five after being monstered by a debutante, or seasoned debutante, Dylan Clark. Cripper was held to just 11 touches, which is his lowest total since 2017. He has a three-round average of about 65. He only scored a 63 on the weekend, and 
Hopefully, we're not presented with an Angus Brayshaw 2.0 scenario. I do back Cripps to bounce back into form sooner rather than later, but God, we can't have these type of guys struggling in our team when we're meant to be patching up other areas. You gotta lift, Paddy. Come on, mate. Negative four goes to... Very lucky to avoid the negative five here. Lucky Whitfield, I know. He was injured, so that did hamper his score a bit, but... Even without that injury, I don't know if he would have topped 80. He only had two points in the whole first quarter and got shut down by Nick Holman. Who the hell is Nick Holman? I know he was a cash cow back in the day, but Jesus, I didn't even realise he was still playing footy. Whitfield's, uh, now we know, got a broken collarbone, so I'll talk about him in trade-out tactics. He suffered that late in the game against the Suns, but 74, he was a popular trade-in target this week. He was a popular captain option this week, and... Now, we're forced to move him on, so neg four is going your way, Whitfield. The negative three goes to a premium midfielder that cost nearly 900 grand to start the season and is looking anything but right now. Jack McRae has not gone over 100, well, he's gone over 100 once in his last six scores, and he didn't do it last week, just dropping a 69 and continuing to plummet in value. A lot of people would have traded him in after he almost seemed to teeter out in price just before he started this uh, slump, which kind of sucks. Hopefully we can see him get back to normal sooner rather than later, but honestly, I don't know how to handle this McRae situation. I, my best piece of advice would probably be to hold, only because he has the round 12 buy, and he could be handy in round 13 and 14 when you've got a lot of other blokes resting, but geez, it's going to be hard to resist trading him out this week, that's for sure. Another bloke who I've already talked a little bit about who does have the round 12 buy as well is Jack Billings. He cops the negative two this week after another score in the 60s. He's had back-to-back -back 60s and isn't really looking like the fantasy player that he was in the first month or so of the footy season. So I don't know if it's wise to trade Billings out again. We do want as many people in our teams during the buys as possible, but he is bleeding a lot of cash. Hopefully... Off his buy, he can return to normal and start scoring in the 90s and 100s like we've seen him do before. But if not, there's nothing wrong with moving him on. Finally, the neg one is going the way of Adam Trelaw, whose elite consistency came to an end this week. He's gone 110 for about four straight weeks, I think. He's scored plenty of tons this season, but a rare blemish when he scored 74 against the Dockers. Pendlebury is usually only good for about 110, so maybe the 20 points that he took off Adam Trelaw held him out there. But... Yeah, we need more from Adam Trelaw. I wouldn't go trading him out or anything like that, but his spot in the frustrating five is definitely warranted. Rightio, trade tactics time. Now, like I've said a few times, I think it's wise to not trade out any blokes with around 12 buy at the moment, and probably good advice not to trade them in either. If your buy structure's still a bit all over the shop, there's nothing wrong with evening things out, but you might want to hold off on blokes like Josh Dunkley, who could be a popular pick, Zach Merritt, He's someone that I'll look to get off their buy as well. And there's plenty of other options you want to invest in. Patrick Dangerfield is ripe for the picking if you're a non-owner. He's priced at just over 650k and scored a ton again on the weekend. So I think that hit his break even. Definitely a viable candidate. You could look at maybe getting someone like Tom Stewart as well, his teammate, who hasn't been in amazing form. Similar with another bloke in Lockie Neal. But I think all three of those blokes are viable trade targets in a couple of different lines for sure. If you want someone who has a bit of a later buy round, then Stephen Cornelio is probably the pick of the round 14 buy players at the moment, but there are other options. Dusty is in some red hot form and someone that will definitely be on my radar this week may or may not pull the trigger, but he's been in scintillating form, so I couldn't blame you for trading him in. Jack Zebel, if he keeps playing midfield time, might be worth a punt as well, and 
I've already talked about Basher Hawley. Even though you have to pay up for him a bit, he's definitely shown that he's in the conversation to be one of the best fantasy defenders this season. So if you want to upgrade one of your players and nab around 14 bloke, they're probably the pick of the bunch. When it comes to rookies, there's two pretty clear round 12 guys that are going to be in a lot of coaches' calculations over the next couple of weeks. One of them is Brett Bewley of the Dockers, who had a 60 in his second game of the season. And the other bloke who scored a ton in his first game of the season is Dylan Clark, the Essendon player who costs you a tick under 300k, so you do have to pay up from a bit. I would advise though, like I've said, not trading those guys in until it is round 13. The last thing you'd want to do is bring him in and then see them miss round 13, then all of a sudden you're stuck with another bloke you have to fix up. So if they're playing in round 13, they'll probably be the two most popular trade-ins, and if you're not in either club, then just wait on it for a little bit. Like I've said before, there aren't too many other options, unfortunately. Hopefully we see some fresh meat get named or another young rookie come back into the fold this round. If you're after a round 13 bloke, then Oscar Baker is probably my favourite one of the bunch. He scored 87 on the weekend, which was awesome to see. And I think he has not solidified his spot in the D's outfit, but he's done enough to keep stringing a couple of games together. And the other bloke with around 14 by is Isaac Cumming. Now, Cumming's spot in the Giants side isn't as safe, but with Whitfield going out, even if Zach Williams does come back in, hopefully Cumming can string a couple of games together, at least through the buys, and dish up a couple of 50s or 60s for us. Trade-out tactics, like I've said, Lockie Whitfield has got to go. However, he doesn't have to go this week, and I might not pull the trigger on getting out Whitfield, because I'll probably have 21, maybe 20 blokes playing this week if I hold Whitfield, and that means that I can turn him into someone in the uh, Zach Merritt or Josh Dunkley mould. I can't really remember what other elite midfielders. Maybe Nat Fife, Marcus Bontempelli, McCrave. I really want to take a gamble. I can trade Whitfield into one of those guys after uh, the round 12 buyers come and gone. So he is a trade out, don't get me wrong. And if you're only fielding 18, 17 players this week, you may as well cash him in and try and get one of the blokes I've already talked about. But if not, it's worth waiting on Whitfield and trading him out sooner rather than later, obviously. But he's not going to lose any value while he's hurt. It will be tough to resist trading struggling premiums like Jack McRae, like Patrick Cripps, but I think it's wise to patch up the other areas of your team for now. I don't think, knock on wood, either of them will turn into a Angus Brayshaw type, but you never know. Fantasy is a, a cruel and twisted game sometimes, but I have faith that both of them can return to normal. More faith in Cripps than I do McRae, but I'd resist trading them away just yet. On the cash cow front, you might want to start to move out some of these guys who've fattened in price and Grind Myers is probably at the top of that bunch. You do want to have guys playing throughout your buys, but I'm semi-heavy in the round 13 buy, so I'll probably look to move Myers on this week. Similar could be said with Tommy Atkins. I do know that these players are really important for your buy structure, as their job security is pretty great, but if you've got nothing pressing to do and you want to shuffle a few players around to try and maximise blokes on the field during your buys, then getting rid of them is a fine move. Similar can be said with Connor Rosie, who has definitely topped out in price, could be capable of an 80 or a couple of 70s throughout the buys, so by no means is he or any of the other two that I've talked about a must trade out, but if you've got nothing better to do and you want to generate some cash by chasing other blokes with different buy rounds and strengthening other lines, then axing those three dudes I've talked about is a fine move. Turning my attention to the waiver wire now, and there's a couple of the new DPPs that are very relevant in draft leagues. One bloke that I've quickly gone and snapped up is Hugh Greenwood. He 
is probably going to be snapped up in your league, but he's only got an ownership of about 54%, so you might be able to snag him. If not, another mid-forward who piques my interest is Jordan Dawson from the Swans. He's averaging over 80 in his last three, and his new mid-forward status makes him a viable candidate to pick up for sure. Even though Sean Burgoyne's a bit past his prime, now that he's got defender status, he could be someone worth taking a punt on. He had a 90 on the weekend, which was pretty impressive, and if you're desperate for a defense mid-link, then he could uh, definitely help you out in that area. New ruckman Noah Bolter with his ruck forward status could come into play for you. He's only in about 5% of teams, so probably not a huge source of points and production there in Bolter. You might want to get his teammate Ivan Soldo instead, who is in less than 20% of teams and is probably going to see more ruck contests than Bolter and maybe even hold his spot in the side when Nant comes back. So those two probably help you out a little bit in the rucks. If you're looking at players who just have single position, I do like the looks of Harry Perriman for the Giants. Not a fan of him in Classic, but he's starting to string a couple of decent games together and could be a viable choice for your defense. Sam Reid up forward is someone worth taking a punt on, I think. He's kicking a lot of goals for the Swans and scored another 80 on the weekend, so he's got low ownership and could be taken advantage of while he's still sitting on your waiver wire. And finally, somewhat surprisingly, Chris Main can no longer be ignored. He had another 88 on the weekend. Some bloke told me that he traded him into his classic side, and he seems to keep getting it done. So he is in about 39% of teams at the moment, so it might not be on your waiver wire, but if so, then adding Main to your midfield could be a nice move. Before I wrap this thing up, let me discuss my moves for this round. So like I've said, a couple of Geelong cash cows in Tom Atkins and Grind Myers are in the firing line for me, and it's because I have the flexibility to tra trade in other blokes with around 14 by that I'm moving these guys on. Again, they're not must-trades, but it suits my buy structure personally a bit better. So Atkins will probably go and allow me to move a couple of pieces around between my defense, and I'll nab Isaac Cumming, who hopefully hold his spot in the side. I think he did enough against the Suns to justify staying around during the buy rounds. And up forward, I think I'll turn Myers into Nick Larkey. That will give me Larkey and Corbett as my two rookies in the forward line. So it'll give me a pretty much a complete forward line after I swing Warple back there. So Billings and a couple of other dudes might get moved around later in the season, but it gets rookie off my field, so I'm pretty content with that. The last move, I'm tossing up going in a couple of different directions. Like I've said, I don't really want to cash Whitfield in yet because I want to turn him into Zach Merritt next round, but while I have the opportunity to trade out Whitfield and land a superstar mid, I might play the money game and get Cornelio. That'd leave me with nearly 400 grand for the next couple of weeks of trades. I might get really fancy and look at someone like Luke Parker. I could go Adam Trelaw. So I definitely have options in there. And I could also trade out Marty Hoare if he's not named. Try and chase someone like Tommy Stewart, but his form hasn't been amazing in recent times as well. So my third trade, I've got a lot of thinking to do, but I've got the flexibility and the financial freedom to go a number of different ways. And that is the round 11 wrap up. Thank you for tuning in. Again, like I mentioned at the lead off, you can check out my Cash Cows article on the Dream Team Talk site for all your rookie guides to head into the buys. We are at a tricky point in the AFL season. It really is make or break time for a lot of coaches, including yours truly. I've slipped back now in the Sports by Fry League, so my reputation's on the line and I need to make a jump in ranking. So thank you for tuning in. Make sure you check out more Sports by Fry articles at sportsbyfry.com. We'll be doing the team selection podcast tomorrow night, so you can hit me with any questions uh, that you have regarding that. But until next time, thanks again for tuning in. Peace. Peace.